You are now listening to the Flurry Podcast, hosted by Marquise Rawls. Another episode of the Flurry Podcast. It's been a couple weeks since I recorded an episode. Uh, I had some technical difficulties uh, a couple weeks ago. Then last week, I just wasn't really feeling that well, so I decided to skip it. But this week, I'm feeling better, feeling good, and I have a lot to talk about within uh, the boxing world within the past couple weeks. So I'm going to get straight into it. And first thing first is Terrence Crawford versus Kell Brook. It was a fantastic fight. Uh, Slightly disappointed. And I'm only disappointed because me knowing who Terrence Crawford is, number one pound for pound, in my opinion, fantastic fighter. He can fight at the highest of levels. And Kell Brook, who he's also a elite level type of fighter. He's strong. Uh, he's kind of big. He's very technical, and he had he has good boxing IQ. So I was expecting a twelve round fight. I was expecting a fantastic twelve round fight at the highest level possible, and I didn't get it. Uh, that's why I was a little disappointed. But it, it was still a great fight because I think this fight it really showed that Terence Crawford he he's not the same fighter that he was at one forty, right? The Terence Crawford at 140, he was very technical and tactical. He wanted to uh, land punches without getting punched. This Terence Crawford, he still wants to land punches without getting punched, but he takes so many more risks and he relies on his power a lot more and he lays it on people like he did to Kell Brook. And Kell Brook started the fight really well. First two rounds, he was controlling it with with his jab. And he has a really, really good jab. But then round three came. Oh, round three came. Everyone who has ever fought Terrence Crawford, they know. They have experienced around, like, round three that Terrence Crawford had against Kelbrook. When Terrence Crawford switches to southpaw. And he just nullifies everything that you have been doing up to that point. And he just starts laying it on you. He was laying it on Kelbrook. He was landing more of his jabs. Kelbrook wasn't landing his jabs so much. Uh, then Terrence Crawford, he just started landing hooks and bombs and straights from every single angle. Round four came. It, it started out pretty much the same. With uh, Terrence Crawford, he was controlling the fight more. But then, out of nowhere, Terrence Crawford lands a punch. And it wasn't even a big punch. It wasn't like some some Deontay Wilder punch where he cocks his arm all the way back and puts his whole body into the punch. It was just a short little straight that just hit Kelbrook right on the nose. Or I think it's like the forehead or the eye or something like that. And it just stunned him. Wobbled him. His legs were were basically gone. And you know Terrence Crawford, when he smells blood, he's on you. He's on your ass. So he got on that ass and he got it out. He got Kelbrick out of here. He did his job. Mission accomplished. Let's get out of here. Fantastic fight. And in my opinion, this this has proven I already knew that Terrence Crawford is one of the best fighters in the world. 
I already knew that. In my opinion, he's the second best at 147. With Earl Spence being number one because I feel that he's accomplished more at 147 than Crawford has. So I have Spence number one, Terrence Crawford number two because of just his, his power and his ability to to eliminate his opponents, right? But I think a lot of the boxing world, they don't view Terrence Crawford as highly as I do. They don't view him as as this, this number one pound for pound guy who has this elite special type of ability and skill set and talent. A lot of people don't see him like that. But I think this fight changed a lot of their minds. And yes, I will say Kell Brook, he's not the same Kell Brook that he was when when he fought Earl Spence or when he was younger. I believe he was like, what, 34, 35 somewhat coming into this fight. So I understand that. But at the same time, Kell Brook did say that he felt better now than he did when he fought Spence. He said that. So if he's saying he felt better and he feels stronger, he feels quicker, basic he basically feels the best that he can feel, there's no excuses then. That excuse of oh he's not as good as as he once was, it goes out the window because Kelbrook said himself he feels better than he's ever felt. So this is, from his own words, the best version of Kell Brook. And Terrence Crawford did that to him. Did that to him. How many rounds did it take Triple G to, to knock out Kell Brook? What, five? Kell Brook took Spence to 11 rounds. Or was it 10? 10 or 11 rounds. Terrence Crawford said I could top that. Hold my gloves. Hold my beer. Hold my championship belt. Let me show you something real quick. Boom. Round four. Kelbrick is out of there. Fantastic performance from, from Terrence Crawford. Uh, I can't wait to see the Terrence Crawford versus um, Earl Spence. I need to see. I, I really need to see it. 2021. I know everyone needs to see it. I'm still betting on Terrence Crawford and I would do a more detailed breakdown in a future episode uh, when when something big isn't really going on, I'll do a more detailed uh, episode about me choosing Terrence Crawford over Spence to win. But I still just want the fight to happen. So hopefully it does happen. Uh, another great fight that happened a couple weeks ago was Jaime Munguia fought. Uh, I'm going to botch this guy's first name, his first name up. But Terranio. Torino, Torano, Soprano? I don't know. His last name is Johnson, so let's just stick to Johnson, right? Johnson and Johnson. Jaime Munguia faced Johnson, and it was a very surprising fight because I think this was the most different I've seen Jaime fight before. Usually, uh, Jaime, he's the, the come forward guy. He's the one who wants to be all up in your grill. He's the one who wants to wants to use pressure to make you uncomfortable but the tables were flipped in this fight Johnson he was the one coming forward he was the one who was trying to make Jaime more uncomfortable he was the one making Jaime fight off his back foot and this was a very teachable experience for Jaime and I think he still outperformed 
he really did still outperform. He had sharp counters. His counters looked more sharp than I've ever seen him do it before. He he used his jab a little more effectively. I wish he would have used it a little bit more, but he used it very, very effectively, and it worked for him. Um, his defense still needs work. I'd still be saying that his defense it still needs work. He was still getting hit with a lot of shots that, frankly, someone, someone who I think is really on that next level, like I think Jaime is, shouldn't be getting hit with with certain shots that he was getting hit with. Uh, just shots that were, you could see it coming from a mile away. But that's also somewhat of Jaime's style. His style is, he he's not gonna have much defense. He's just gonna try to use his size and his power, and you know the the true Mexican warrior style to just break you down, and that's what he did to Johnson. And salute to Johnson because Johnson, he's a pretty strong guy, and he got some good stamina for for him to be pressuring Jaime for all those rounds consistently, and even when Jaime first knocked him down, he he got back up and he was still coming forward. Still coming forward, still applying a lot of pressure. It's just the better person won. The stronger person won. The person who who chose his shots a little better. And Jaime, he, he was picking and choosing his shots very carefully in this round. I mean, in this fight. Which I think he should be doing more. Not so much be conservative with his punches. But don't just be throwing punches just to throw punches. Don't throw punches just to be like, if I throw 10, hopefully five of them will land. No, create the opportunity to land punches. And that's what I felt like he did. Like I said before, his counters were very, very sharp. So he he just took it to another level. And this Jaime, really good. But once again, uh, shout out to Johnson. He put on a good performance. It just wasn't enough. For the great Jaime and what is next for Jaime fighting at 160, even though I do think he should go back to 154 because I want to see him versus Charlo at 154 or him versus Jared Hurd at 154. Maybe him versus uh, J-Rock will be good. Uh, Tony Harrison, another good, uh, good opponent for Jaime. I want him to go back to 154 because he has a lot of a lot of big name fighters that he could fight there. But at 160, he needs to move up in the level of opposition. Um, I wouldn't say I, I wouldn't give him someone like a Demetrius Andrade or even a uh, Jamal Charlo or Daniel Jacobs, some of that caliber just yet. But I feel like he could he could fight like a David Lemieux. I think he could fight a David Lemieux and, and he could win that fight. He could. He could really win that fight. I think he could fight like a Sergey uh, Devianchenko. Sergey is really good. He's not elite. He's like borderline elite, but he's like one of the best measuring sticks for a top talent at 160. And depending on how good Jaime would do against him, that will be a better gauge for us to see where he really is to see how much further he could go and see if if he has a high ceiling or if. You know, this is the best he's going to be, you know. No, just spitballing some some possibilities out there, right? Uh, another fight, 
this one I'm gonna be very brief about it because I did not actually see this fight, but I watched the highlights over and over and over again. Is NUI versus Maloney and NUI who is the monster who people say he hits as hard as a middleweight, but he's not a middleweight. He destroyed Maloney. I was watching the highlights over and over again, and he's knocking down Maloney with one shot. Literally one counter. Boom. And Maloney goes down. And NUI, who I believe he is possibly top five pound for pound great. Hell, he might even be top three. You know, it's it's a little iffy when it gets uh, to to the top five positions of the pound for pound list. But NUI, he... He's up there. He's up there. Very strong. Very tactical fighter. He has good, uh, you know, good skill sets, and his power is just ridiculous for someone his size, and in his weight class. And Maloney, Maloney, he did have a good performance in his last fight in the the top rank bubble. I forgot who he fought, but he had a fantastic performance, which got him to fight with Inui. But it's just different levels. It's levels to the shit. That's what Meek Mill said. It's levels to this shit. It's levels to this shit. And NUI, he's just on a different level than Maloney is. He's just on a different level. And I don't think anyone in that division is on NUI's level. Are there some people that NUI could still fight? Yes, there is. There's, I, I believe there's one or two more uh Really good fighters in that division that NUI could fight. But just doing the eyeball test, just watching these fighters fight, it doesn't look like any of them can beat NUI. It doesn't look like any of them have a a really good chance of beating NUI. NUI, he's just that good. He really is just that good. That's all I got to say about that. So the last fight that I'm going to talk about is Usyk versus Derek Chisora, which um I kind of want to know what everyone else thinks about this fight. I don't think I saw many people talking about this fight. I don't think I really saw many um, boxing analysts talk about this fight. I haven't seen Max on boxing in like a good month, so I don't know if he talked about this fight on his show, but I like this this fight it was sort of sort of a boring fight right sort of a boring fight depending on what type of boxer fan you are uh i saw the fight twice uh the first time i saw it it was like really really boring i couldn't get through it so i had to watch it again to like really see uh things that i missed and i'm not that big of a fan of Usyk but i know he's campaigning uh, to get the fight against Joshua, so I wanted to really see where he was at and um, his chances against Joshua. So I watched it again, and the second time I watched it, it was a more enjoyable fight. Uh, Usyk, class that guy. He's another one who fights at a fights at a very high level, and he was just outclassing. He was outclassing Chizora. Chizora really thought that he could use his size and his experience. Uh, you know, fighting a heavyweight to just sort of, you know, throw Usyk around a little bit, you know, get rough and dirty with him. But it doesn't really work when the person you're fighting 
is almost like the same size as you. Not far as weight. Obviously, with weight, uh, Chizora is bigger in weight. But as far as height and like length, they're almost about the same. They're almost about the same. So it was just, it was a good fight though. It was a good fight. I don't think a casual fan would would really like it. I wouldn't recommend it to a casual fan, but uh, a diehard boxing fan like myself, I would recommend it because watching the second time, it was really good. And my predictions on Usyk, I don't think he's going to get the, the Anthony Joshua fight within the next year. Um, does he deserve it? Uh, he he kind of does deserve it because if Terrence Crawford could be the undisputed champion at 140, then move up straight into a championship fight, then I think Usyk, he could do the same thing. I believe he could do the same thing in the only two champions is Joshua and Tyson Fury. It's the only two champions. And I think he has a better chance against Joshua than he does against Tyson Fury because Usyk is a technical type of fighter. Joshua is a little bit technical, but he's not as technical as Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury, he's like, he's special. He's a special type of fighter. We haven't seen a heavyweight like Tyson Fury probably in a couple decades. He he's that good. I don't think Usyk could beat Tyson Fury, but you know he got better odds against Joshua. I don't think he could beat Joshua. I don't think so. I think Joshua is too good. It's too big. He he's too strong for him. He's too strong for him, and I don't think Usyk has the power to really stop Joshua. But you know Joshua, he doesn't have that good of a chin, so who knows? But with that being said. I don't think Usyk will get uh, Joshua within the next year. If I was Joshua, I would not fight him. Not because there's a chance that Usyk could win. It's just that you're Anthony Joshua. You have bigger fish to fry. You you still have bigger meals to get. You have to fight Tyson Fury. We still, no matter if Deontay Wilder lost, Two times to Tyson Fury, we still want to see Wilder versus Joshua. We still want to see it. I still want to see it. And Joshua still needs that fight, I think, for his legacy. He still needs that Wilder fight for his legacy. He needs that Tyson Fury fight. So tell Usyk, uh, wait two years. Wait two years, you'll get it. Now, what can Usyk do in the remaining two years while he waits? Okay, so if Usyk is really serious about being one of the top names at heavyweight like I think he is, I think it seems like he he means business when he says he wants to be the best heavyweight. He means business when he says he wants to fight the best and beat the best. So you got to build yourself up now. Okay, bam. Go fight Joseph Parker. If you could beat Joseph Parker... Okay, cool. Then fight the winner of uh, Pavetkin versus Dylan White. That would be a fantastic fight. Him against Pavetkin or him against Dylan White. Very great fight. And then maybe go fight Luis Ortiz. Luis Ortiz, I still think, is the most technically sound textbook boxer in the heavyweight division. Like He's from Cuba. All Cuban fighters do 
is study the textbook of boxing and that's how they all fight and that's a technical fighter versus a technical fighter and that's so and and that would be someone that Usyk will have a run for his money as far as boxing IQ so we'll see I think those those three fights is is good fights to to hold him over for a year or two until he gets that Joshua fight I'd like to see it happen I'm pretty sure the fans would like to see it happen too so let's see it happen that's all for this episode and I hope you guys enjoyed me talking about these fights uh, next episode I'm going to talk about uh, just some more news in boxing that I've been hearing that I don't like hearing okay you were just listening to the Floyd Podcast hosted by Monkeys Rawls come back for the next episode or go back and listen to the previous ones if you haven't done so. 